coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado. It's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mommy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. All right, let's do this thing. Awesome, live from Genghis Khan 2016, this is Savage Cast, episode one, with your hosts, Chris Fox, the Savage Mummy, Christopher Landauer, the Savage Bull, and a suite of awesome Savage World GMs, creators, and luminaries, starting with Mr. Clint Black, Jody Black, Daryl Hardy, and Shane Hensley himself. Also joining us in the room are GM Sarah Martinez and Neil Hyde. Daryl Ayers. Nice. Cameron Thorpe. Awesome. So we are going to pick the brains of our Savage Luminaries today on Savage Cast. So, uh, Jody, ladies first. How did you get into gaming? My sorority friends invited me to a game. Nice. And what game was it? <laughs> it was D&D. Um, yeah, no, I've, a friend of mine um, who was my sorority grand big sis, which was, it's a sorority thing. But anyways, uh, she, she had heard that I had played a D&D game with the guys in my Lutheran student movement group. And, uh, and I was raving about it at a fraternity party and saying how much fun I'd had. And so she said, you need to play in one of our games. And uh, through that, I met Clint. And that group I'm still gaming with now is 20 years later. <laughs> nice. A follow-up question for that. You said it was a Lutheran student group. Did, what, did you feel any backlash when they had the kind of anti-D&D wave then? I was president of the Lutheran student movement, oh, so, so you just no. played the <laughs> This is good stuff, people! We're, we're playing the game. <laughs> nice. No, no. We had... Um, I know that a lot of people went through that, but I've always had nothing but a supportive environment. That's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Daryl, how did you get into gaming? Through the back door. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, I heard about it um, like as a, as a kid, 6th, 7th grade, uh, and I had friends who talked about it. Uh, but, uh, and I even got a copy of the old Red Box D&D and read through it and you know, did this little adventure. And I'm like, I don't quite get it. But okay, uh, and then that's as far as it went until um, know, like a year or two later. I, I got uh, DC Heroes, the first edition Mayfair games, and I'd looked at other game systems before, and I'm like, you know, expecting it to be super complicated. And I read through it, and by today's standards, it was it's still pretty mm, kludgy. You know, we got everything you do is on two charts, two charts for every action. But the idea that there was a un- that yes, every action has one role. 2d10 no matter what you're doing and that just blew my mind and I'm like guys we we need to play this because a i understand it <laughs> and b i actually own it and, and it's superheroes and we all can all be behind it and so that that was our go-to game for uh, for years excellent so clint what brought you into gaming the back of a toy store on a shelf red box had a dragon on the cover of it dragons are cool yeah guy fighting it you know, looked at it, uh, still shrink-wrapped, read the back, you know, looked cool. And, you know, of course, I'd read, you know, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, all the stuff that was the, you know, precursors and the influences on it. So picked up the box, took it home, read through it. Then I just had to find somebody else who had that box for those interests, you know. And uh, it was uh, probably around... 
well, what you call middle school now. Back in the old days, we had junior high <laughs> kids today with their middle schools. That uh, I ran into a group of friends that I started gaming with, and it was the first one that was actually one of my friends played, and we uh, played uh, Keep on the Borderlands, Caves of Chaos. And in that night, I rolled up four characters because the first three were killed by the Sturges right outside the cave before we got in. Never made it in the cave. <laughs> the fourth character made it in the front of the cave and then got killed. Nice. <laughs> and then got killed. And after that, I was like, this game is not going to beat me. We're playing. We'll keep playing. But let's pick up a different adventure. <laughs> and I've never forgiven Keep on the Borderlands. I really haven't. But, uh, yeah, I mean, classic old school starting out at the beginning with the f adventures that were in the box and uh, playing it. And I just, you know, that that pretty much got me hooked in on gaming to begin with as far as the first few games. And then it was around college that I really got into the more in-depth character play and everything like that. Uh, it could actually tell you I was going to the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, and I got invited to join a game that was run by one of the security officers at night from the desk in the front lobby as he checked people out. And um, they were playing Rollmaster at the time. And they said, well, come on, we have an NPC, sit in, join us, you know, you'll have fun. And I'm like, okay, you know, roll the dice. And these guys are, you know, levels. I don't really know the system, everything like that. And there was the first time I was playing D&D with a girl nice. that, you know, was there. And, oh, also, not to be too intimidating, but, like, two-thirds of the group were all students of the, uh, the uh, security guard who was a kung fu master and taught <laughs> in martial arts, of, of which... I found out she was like his best student, so not to be too, but she was a sorceress, everything like that, and in the midst of it, it goes, she says, you know, we're surrounded. I mean, I'm like, my character's going to die again. Where are the Sturges? I'm doomed. This is going to happen. And she looked up and she goes, I'm going to do it. And that's all she said. And he looked at her, you're going to do it. And he just stopped and he went, you're, you're going to do it. He goes, I'm going to do it. It has to be done. And he goes, this is a role master, a lot, a lot. And she, her character transformed into a dragon. <laughs> and every other player's there jaw dropped because they had been playing that campaign for two years. And she had never revealed that about her character. Wow, that's the long game. That, that is. Yeah. That is really the long game that her character was saying. That's a Kaiser Soze level. And it was. Game. It was. And I was like, I was like, does this happen every time? And the other guys are going, uh, 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 uh. And that was the point where I kind of realized, you know, you could keep playing this game, building these characters and telling long-term stories with it, more than just trying to get past the Sturges at the front of the cavern, you know, <laughs> and making it there. And that kind of, that moment was really one of the places that really got me hooked on the long campaign storytelling, getting together with your friends and, you know, having a good time. So, Jody, tell me, how did Clint luck out and find a gamer wife, a gamer wife partner? Oh, my gosh. We were so totally set up by my sorority sister, who was dating a friend of his, and uh, we, you know, we had met each other through the group, and, uh, and she goes, well, he's, he likes you. I'm like, who? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I stand out. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm not seeing anybody. I'm in town for the summer. Okay. Let him ask me out. Meanwhile, Ralston did the same thing to Clint. And for about now, literally, no, understand the same thing was him coming to me and saying, she likes you. She wants to ask you out. 
So for two weeks, we thought the other one wanted to ask us out, and we're circling around and around. And we managed to see each other every single day for two weeks because we were getting together with the group and just hanging out and doing this and doing that, waiting for the other one to ask us out until finally, I don't remember who finally caved, but was like, I'm not going to see you tomorrow. No, I guess it doesn't have to be that way. We could meet for dinner. Yeah, okay. With just the two of us. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like a date. Okay. So it's like a gaming version of like a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> <laughs> now, let, let me tell you how, you know, at that point, our, uh, we critically failed yeah. our uh, common knowledge role to use the thing. We were celebrating our third month anniversary of, you know, being serious. <laughs> you know, why did you never ask me out when you wanted to? I'm like, why didn't you? And we so suddenly long. realized after dating for three months that we had been set up. <laughs> you know, it, it took that long before we figured it out. Yeah, Beth and Rawl are still smug about that. They are. I haven't been able to get them back. Yes. <laughs> okay, Shane, we're not going to let you off either. How did you get into gaming? <clears throat> okay, so I was a comic book nerd. And uh, where I grew up, uh, the nearest bookstore was about three and a half hours away, so I, I didn't really know fantasy existed until I was about 12 years old. But uh, there was an ad on the back of a Marvel comic, one of the Spider-Man comics that I loved so much, and it was the comic for Dungeons & Dragons that ended with Greetings Mortal Worm and showed the big red dragon. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So this is probably about 1980-81, and uh, again, no bookstore, toy store, or anything like that nearby. But the Sears catalog used to carry Dungeons and Dragons. They actually even used to carry painted miniatures, if you can believe that, the Dungeon Dweller series. So I asked my mom to order me some of that stuff. She did. I got it. Couldn't make head nor tail of it. Couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And then I went to uh, a town about three hours away for some doctor's thing my mom had or whatever. And um, I saw all these loose modules for advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Couldn't figure out what the hell those were either or what geomorphs were. But I finally started grabbing some stuff, and I thought, well, let's let's give it a try. And then the basic set wound, found its way into my hands, and I tried it with my friends. And we did everything wrong. So, for example, there were caverns that we thought were pathways. We thought if you didn't yell saving throw really quickly, you didn't get one. <laughs> we did everything wrong. But eventually we figured it out, and then uh, years later we'd been playing. I wrote uh, stuff for our home game. I usually ran. Then I started playing GURPS and Rollmaster and everything else, and the rest leads into into what Pinnacle became. Nice. The uh, so we'll start with Daryl. Daryl, how did you get into Savage World? I think it started. Well, I know I owned a copy before I moved to Colorado, but I don't think I actually used it before I got here to the land of the exploding dice and I'm trying to read your t-shirt. I'm sorry, what is it? Oxygen deprivation, deprivation, and dice that explode. Yes. Wow. That's a Benny for using the logo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I owned it you know, when it first came out. I think I had the, the first edition. Like, this is cool! And my gaming group was not interested at the time. Uh, but then I came out here for work and hooked up with a different gaming group who was uh, actually very much into Savage Worlds. And like, cool, I get to actually play this game now. Yeah. What brought the blacks into Savage Worlds? <laughs> that thumb was pointed at me. <laughs> that's pretty quick too. Jody yeah. was like, "Oh, oh, tag, go Clint, go Clint." That's uh, that's accurate. <laughs> I gotta admit, because I was part of the Deadlands mailing list, all those groups, way before we had any other kind of social media that we were on the list. And I, had, I had written for Pinnacle for 
an article I did for the Epitaph, I think it was number four, that was on librarians for the uh, original Hell on Earth. And I think that was 99, 2000, somewhere around there, I think. So, you know, I I kind of done something for Pinnacle and everything. And I, I kept up with it. And about 2002, Shane actually started doing the first that I kind of know of, of kind of open beta playtesting of a game system. I don't know if you guys know that, but he was putting out, like, what he was doing with Savage Worlds at the time, with, you know, before the first printing of, this is what we're doing, you know, I'm working on this, and, you know, guys want to play it and try it out, and these are the ideas, and the first test drives, you know, that we call it now, the first test drive was literally test driving the system as they were working on it. And uh, so what I'm year, on the way. What year was that? 2002. Okay. 2002. So, uh, so I'm on the list, and I'm going over, and I'm looking through what God, and I'm like, this really was hitting on all cylinders for me. Because it was like Shane was speaking, because he was talking about all the reasons he was doing Savage Worlds. I've got kids. I've got time. At that point, you know, we had two young daughters. At that point, you know, just toddlers, really. Um, you know, I've got a job. I've got all this other stuff, and it's like easy GM prep fast running get you know get in some combat get in role playing get it all in in a short period of time so i looked through it and plus the idea of just create what you wanted to do you know so i come back to jody and we didn't have time to get together with our friends or whatever i said all right i wrote up some stats for the bugs from starship troopers nice. the hoppers the base ones the movie or the book the movie okay. actually the tankers and things like that and i did the tankers and i was like real easy they burst fire cone template you know fire they do the fire damage all that stuff i gave her a squad of uh troopers and i put the bugs out and we went out and kind of like shane said we didn't do all of it right Oh, yeah. You know, until I changed the rules later, but <laughs> true story. <laughs> true story. But uh, we It'd be ran much through. Much easier if it worked this way. Yeah. Went through, had a you know, had a really good time. But I thought, well, I've already done these stats, so I'll post them on the the list that was talking about them. I posted on the list, and I'm not kidding you. About 20 minutes later, I got the direct email from Shane saying, "You really get this? Would you guys like to come on and be part of our playtesters?" Because he had like looked at the stats and he went, "That's it. That's how you stat something out. You're not converting it. It's what do you want them to do? You know and how." Oh, and by the way, would you like to be a playtester? <gasps> yes. yes. You know, it was. Yeah. It was like holy crap. And I think yes. that was. I think that's big. What you know, what you just said is that you, you make the stats for what you want to do. You don't try to do a direct conversion. Yeah, it's not a direct conversion. It's not worried about. You know, here's how you build them like players and things like that, or follow the certain set of rules. It's like, give them what seems like it would fit, you know, what you want them to do as far as what would be a challenge, you know. And it was, you know, great. We put it out there, and in the playtesting, it was like, I, I was thrilled because I can still point to that original book and go, this paragraph, I pretty much said we need to put in here. And it was like, yes, we do. That makes sense. That's clear. And it was like the first time I was fixing his work. <laughs> you know, that, and, and that whole conversion thing, you must have written that to me on the forums 10 times because I kept asking, <laughs> how do I convert this? How do I do this? And it was multiple times that I would go back and Clint was what do you want it to do? <laughs> you know You're not going to do a straight conversion. It's uh, the Defiler from Dark Sun. And I'll have to go back and look at the specific mechanics now so I can make this example better. But the Defiler in Dark Sun, they drain the life of the plants and stuff around them when they use their magic. Right, yep. part of the world. And there's a specific mechanic for that in the game. And people were trying to duplicate the mechanic when really what you want to do is duplicate the effect. Right? 
there's a difference. Right, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So we started in, started doing the play testing, and once I was in, it was like the mafia. I could not get back out again. <laughs> um, really just started working, got more involved. It was you know definitely when we started up the forums on the site in 2005, I think. Uh, that was a big part. But at one point on the mailing list, uh, there was a lot of discussion of what we were working on. And at one point, I had this idea for this weird setting that I called Fallen Heroes. and um, But I, it was going to have superpowers in it. And Shane had kind of told the playtesters, yeah, we're going to cover this up, but we're not doing four-color superheroes and things like that. So I had a really rough idea of what I wanted to do. So I had posted, I actually sent Shane an email and said, you know, I've, I've got this, you know, it's this basic idea for a setting I have, but I'm going to want to do some superpower rules. As a fan, I want to put this out there, you know. It's like, I just want to be sure I'm not stepping on any toes if you've already got that plan, because I didn't know at that time. And uh, didn't hear anything back. You know, I thought he ignored me again. <laughs> but uh, a <laughs> couple of, couple, uh, like within a week or so on the list, Shane posts out, goes, lost a bunch of emails. Will the people who sent me the proposals for these settings please contact me? And he put down Fallen Heroes, and, the, the, and I was like, you know, the general idea of it, I'm like, going, proposal for a setting <laughs> and so i sent it back he goes no absolutely we have to make this but we first we got to change the name <laughs> yeah. first we got to change the name you know but yeah so that's where necessary evil I was came that, from. that became necessary that's evil became necessary so it started evil. out as, as fallen heroes it started out as fallen heroes uh our best-selling game books by the way uh, it's a, it's it's a great a great game yeah. it's a, it is it, a really good game it was it's a lot of fun it taught me a lot about working with pinnacle in that one book uh, about it's really is a group effort. I mean, everything we put out, you know, you have your authors, but there are so many people that are part of it. I mean, between that, I think five people work through, you know, getting the whole book put together, not to mention like three different power systems. I mean, the first one I had, I think we eventually came back around and the one we ended up with was very similar to the first one I had, but there had been other iterations through there to try to get it right. And, um, but eventually like i said it, it really it was a whole learning experience of being that involved in the book and what needed to be done so uh you know and from there it just got more involved and more things of hey look at this let's work on that why don't i just put you over the forums you know <laughs> you know why don't i do, why don't you, you know you're already kind of doing this let me go ahead and make that official <laughs> it doesn't come with a pay raise but thanks <laughs> you know <laughs> stuff like that you know, and, and for me, that, that, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, coming into this, starting the Rocky Mountain Savages and things, you know, having a group and having people like Pinnacle who, you know, you can consider friends. I mean, I consider you all friends. I don't think I could do this with other big games. You know, I can't, you know, email Shane. I can't, or I could, I can't, e I couldn't email somebody from Watsy like I can email Shane, talk to you guys. It's just, it's just the whole thing of your, it's personable. And I love that. I love that I feel like, you know, I'm part, I'm part of a community. And I think that's important. And I, I'm not saying you can't get that in other, with other game systems, but I don't, I never get that feeling of that community that I get, you know, with the Pinnacle crew and being part of, you know, being being somebody who loves Savage Worlds. So I like to say I appreciate that more than you guys know. 
Thank you. Thank you. So, Thank you. Yeah. So, but I, I think I want to. I'm going to say something about that. I think part of that comes from the fact of we're all fans. We're all fans of the game. We're all fans of gaming. Most definitely. And that's first and foremost. I mean, if you look at almost most of the people that are involved in in Pinnacle even now, you know, there's so many people that were. We met Matt Cutter at Con on the Cob, you know, and he was dressed in 17th century garb, and it was like, <laughs> that guy's kind of neat, and oh, he <laughs> you know, brings his guitar and hangs out, and he goes, this one's for Clint, and does the Spider-Man theme, and Shane's like, whoa, <laughs> and sits up straight, <laughs> you know, and he ends up Deadlands brand manager, because, yep. I mean, he, you know, we find, you know, a big part of it, and I think, actually, this is something that... Uh, I have to give credit to Shane for He says, if you don't care about the product, you don't have the passion to do it yourself, exactly. it's going to show through in the final product. You have to have that behind it. And uh, and that's what you find amongst those people. No, it's there's skill, but part of that is also working together and seeing everybody's strengths and things like that. But when we're together, everybody else, and we're sitting down, you know, like tonight, we sit down to game. I'm just sitting down to play. Right, yeah. That's all I want to do, yeah. <laughs> like everybody else. And we're there to have a good time. So, Daryl, I have a question, question for you with uh, Carthador. What made you decide that Savage Worlds was a good fit for, for, your, for your setting? Uh, because Carthador, I very briefly considered one other system and quickly rejected out of hand. I mean, because Carthador is pure pulp. It's you know, sword and blaster and uh, fantasy on on a alien planet. It's uh, you know John Carter and um, I mean it, it might as well be uh, Savage Carthador. I mean it, it's it's yeah <laughs> uh, pretty much impossible to con to think of it without uh, being Savage Worlds. I mean. It just you know, Savage Worlds is I mean, it's Savage Worlds the name just evokes <laughs> it just you know, fits. sword and planet pulp action um, yeah and what did you think about the licensing process uh, I was not, actually not part of that because it was published through Rally Blurs and uh, Rally Blurs already had a uh, licensing relationship with Pinnacle uh, and so if there was further negotiations behind the scenes uh, I was not. Uh, needed for them. Um, but it was very. Was it easy, hard adapting and you know, getting access to the Savage Worlds rule system? Uh, no, it was. It was uh, very easy. Was, I mean, because I obviously had the, the the core books, but also working with uh, working with Sean Preston of uh, Reality Blurs was great because he because he'd already done a bunch of stuff with Savage Worlds, uh, and so I had access to all of the stuff that he had already done for uh, Agents of Oblivion and Realms of Cthulhu, uh, and so. We were able to, I was able to kind of follow in his footsteps uh, for for some of the like the, the, the psychic powers and stuff that I wanted to do, which were a little a little different from from the core book. Uh, so he was able to walk me through that. Also, I, I wanted to do he, he walked me through some some rules issues I had with uh, some skyship air, airship combat stuff, where I wanted to get get fancy with it, and I think he had. Um, Adopted very much the the, the, the pinnacle you know, ethos of, of keeping it simple. Because my first my first instinct, of course, is let's make it. I want to you know, want to make sure we can do all these things. And so let's have a rule for each thing. And he's like, um, how about we just do this? I'm like, well, 
Yeah, that, that works too. Okay. Well, that's kind of back to the point like Shane was making before about I think there's people who understand role playing games as a mechanic to tell a story, mm-hmm. and people who look at role playing games as a game to be won, and that for the mechanics and the overdoing the things is what they get out of it. But it, and for me, Savage Worlds is a go-to system because it allows you to tell an interesting story without getting in the way of telling an interesting story with multiple other people in the same room. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's always been. Um, going back to my DC Heroes days, I'm like, wait, this is a, this is a for the time simple system. Um, you know, I don't need to get bogged down. We can focus on our people in spandex hitting each other because that's important. <laughs> <laughs> that is High very. It, it is the most important. That's right. So let me ask you this, Jody. Kind of, kind of working on that same kind of question. So I've been seeing on Google Plus and on Facebook and things like that, a lot of people talking about that, wanting to get into Savage Worlds, wanting to know how does a fan license work? How do we, how do we submit things to Pinnacle? Do you have, have the quick, can you give us a, a quick kind of rundown of, of if somebody is interested, what do, what do they need to do or what can they do to, to even start this process? Well, the good news is the license has not changed in a really long time. Like, I don't even, before Jody came on board. So that's been at least three or four years. So I don't know when the last time was anything was really changed about it. So we've got that history built in there of ease of use. And a lot of people are familiar with the fact that our licensees are not printing the core rules. That's how we make our money, you know? So that's why the license is free. They are printing additional content, coming up with these crazy zany ideas, and, you know, making it all work. They're doing the hard lifting. We just put the set, you know, put the system out there. So, you know, everything's on the website. You can look at it. It's uh, peginc.com backslash licensing. And, um, you know, I, I just keep, whenever I get a request, I say, just read this first, and then let me know if you have any questions. Usually that answers most of the questions. <laughs> As I say, that's probably the best best route to go. Just yeah. it, it, read it, read it on the website mm-hmm. and uh, go from there. And probably the biggest thing that I've seen in the past two years uh, are coming from people who already have existing published settings in another system and they want to convert it. And that all is, the cool kids are over here. That's right. Because <laughs> we're the cool kids. You want to be over here. You want you want our demographic. Um, you know, and that, I, I have no problem with that because they've got great ideas. But the hard part is helping them to understand the elegance of the system. Because like you were saying, I have this, you know, this, this mechanic. I want to have that duplicated here. And it's like, no, you want the effect. You want to have the idea behind it to be duplicated here. So how do you make that happen with our system instead of using theirs? So it's not a one-to-one trade-off. Um, and they either get it and they submit it and I say, yep, looks good, stamp of approval, you know, or they kind of don't. And I say, no, I'm sorry, here's a brief reason why. And we have the um, uh, development fee now. That's the only change that I think that's happened in the past year. Um, so you can pay $100 just to say, here, help me with my system. And that doesn't mean that I'm walking with you every single step of the way, but it does mean that I'll go into more detail about why this isn't working so that they can help, you know, adjust that. And uh, I, I don't think that, I think, I think that's worked out really well so far. I think one or two people have taken us up on that. And it doesn't take a whole lot of work to say, okay, this is what's wrong, and they can get it. Or they don't, and then they say, okay, let me pay the fee, and let's work with you, and let's talk about this. Oh, you know, or like I can say, go play the system. Go have a friend, somebody who is a veteran GM that you trust run the system for you. 
and then you're going to start figuring it out. So I think it works really well. So between the three of you, Shane, Clinton, Jody, how do you balance the brand, quality control, and almost, I mean, unprecedented access to your system with content creators? How do you strike a balance there? What's the what's the magic? Because I don't know. I've never, I've never played a crappy Savage World system yet. So there's got to be some quality control, <laughs> right? So I'm sure there's something crappy out there. I can't <laughs> I can't put our label on. Yeah, um, yeah. We have our disclaimer that there's you know Pinnacle makes no warranty. Um, that each uh, license puts at the beginning of their book and a, each fan license created content has that as well. Um, but as far as quality control goes, we are we are constantly looking at what the people are doing and we get feedback from the fans if there's ever going to be an issue they're going to let us know so you guys are our quality control and thank you and and on the new licensees that come in i'm you know we're not going to ever say who comes who applies at all but yeah there are some people that come in and we explain we have a certain level of not just writing and knowing the rules but we want to see a quality in the product overall and you know make sure that you've got good art good layout all those things we want to see a now there are a bunch of people that are you know singular fans that can go out there and make that happen you know with art and collecting it and you know pulling it together and know how to do that you know there are some companies that are fine with their level of what they're putting out there and hitting their price points they want you know going with that and Sometimes we just have to say it's not going to work with Savage Worlds. You know, we want our stuff to have that kind of higher quality look and appearance. And, you know, it's not often. I mean, generally, if somebody has put the time and effort into getting good art, trade dress, and professional layout, they have studied enough of the game that they're not going to be in a complete disaster. The yeah. worst thing is they might be a little too D20 minded or, you know, some other game system minded, and, and Jody does a a fantastic job of helping people steer it kind of back towards what we think the philosophy of the game is and uh, if they need a ton of help that's when we you know we ask them to pay her to do that but generally she does quite a bit for free on her own she's being a little modest there (laughs) (laughs) Genghis Khan your first Genghis Uh, I know Clint is this your first Genghis did you come to Tacticon before or did you come to Genghis last time I didn't come to Genghis last year. I think it was two years okay, ago. Okay, so, so this is second Genghis. Genghis. Yes, I haven't been able to make a Tacticon because it is opposite Dragon Con, which we've been committed to for So then years. we have that. How is your Genghis going? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. So I've played in three games, and they've all been fantastic. Just I, I can't wait to gush about them because, you know, all the GMs were great. All the other players were great. Um, I've, I've had nothing but a great experience. The facilities are fantastic. At first, I was like, I'm walking across the parking lot to go play a game. That feels a little fishy. But private having, <laughs> yes, having your own private room where you can shut the door if the hallway's getting too loud and it's just your table and your game and the G, your own GM that you're listening to, not somebody else's group over there. I mean, that is so crucial. We're, we're usually at a convention by this point. We are exhausted, and a lot of it has to do with talking over everybody. Either we're on the exhibit floor and we're talking over that den of noise, or we're crowded in a room full of tables of G- and GMs and trying to game, and everybody's talking over that. By about the second or third day, it's just exhausting vocally as well as mentally, and so this has been very refreshing. Thank you. Yeah, we, we uh, since they gave us the annex and let us have you know, our own rooms. We, we've had a few people who 
have wanted to to come back to the hotel and be in a big room and Chris and I have never try it you'll love it mm -hmm. it's great even for Savage Saturday night we've got Savage Saturday night tonight uh, you know we'll all get together one big group right before Savage Saturday night we have a bunch of different a bunch of awards we're gonna hand out and a bunch of different things we're gonna do and then everybody's just gonna be able to go find their table in their room and play their game so it's it's been really really nice to to have that. So as the unofficial Rocky Mountain Savages historian esthetician, but you know, there's not a lot of demand for me for that job. You know, <laughs> I don't have to fight anybody for it. The very first pinnacle, like I think it was Deadlands, maybe Savage Worlds game to ever come to DenverCon was uh, Genghis Khan 2005. Uh, Lee Langston ran two games. The uh, Mark Gacy ran another game in 2007 at Genghis. And then from 2008 on began the reign of Neil Hyde. <laughs> Neil Hyde started with three games in 2008, and over the last, what, 10, almost 10 years, has run more than 50 Savage World games. Wow. Uh, oh, my wow. gosh. Neil. Hail Savage! Oh, hail! Uh, well, we all we all talked about you at the beginning of the game beforehand. I mean, we had like four people in there. We all... No, we all determined that you were our first. Like, what? <laughs> Neil's popped everybody's cherry? What? Good God, man. You, uh, you had run Michelle's first Savage Worlds game. Oh. Me and Chris, too. First no Savage Worlds game. And hey. Yeah. yeah. Well, yesterday, he was in game, and um, so, wow. From what I hear, you're a great you know, first time. Well, we're <laughs> <laughs> not recording yeah, it. Or, uh, oh, God. Oh, it's all going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll find a couple of this. Uh, okay. Nothing to compare me against. I'm sure I'm fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's a pleasure. Uh, it really, yeah. really has been. Well, since we're talking about Neil, and we've got him here, and Jody, myself, and Shane, do you guys know that... This year is the 10th anniversary of Savage Saturday Nights. Oh. The first one is 2006 Origins. We all got together, and I was actually, that was my first game in a Savage Saturday Night. I played in Neil. He ran the ETU Sweat Lodge game. Yes, and I got to play it with Charles Ryan was in the game with us. Um, do you remember that? We we all came out. You came out of the Origins I Award. That, that didn't, I don't remember that. Group. I don't remember. You were you were playing it. That was the night that we all got together. You said, rather than go out, let's go play a game. Yes. And we had this huge group, and it just got bigger. And we went and we. But the cool thing. We found here. a room <laughs> that was unused. Jack Younger's idea was everybody roll a die and mm -hmm. see what game you get in. So it wasn't the usual. Yeah, it wasn't drawing. We was rolling a die to figure out which table you got. That's right. And everybody kind of got a random table, and sat down and played. And that was the first Savage Saturday Night, like 2006 in Origins. And um, I do you, remember that game. Very you were my first Savage Saturday Night game. That was where you were. The and now one. you have effectively aged us all. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think age It's only 10 aged years. Us. Where you can still play we're 29 again, right? Yeah. That's right. All right. So I've got a question for Chris and Neil, because you two are the founders of the Rocky Mountain Savages. So how did that come out? Well, actually, um, Chris, if I may, and I, I should point out, Chris has done all the heavy work for this. Chris is truly savage mommy in every sense of the word, except... Um, uh, uh, private. Gender. Chris has done a, um, a fantastic job, Yeoman's work, on uh, putting this together. But what it was was we were at a convention, and it was Genghis Khan, 
and going over the list of games that were available, and it, there was all Dungeons and Dragons at the time it was 3.5, and a little smattering of Shadowrun, and a handful of others, and no variety. Everything was either if you, you had a sword or that was it. And we had been discussing this is an opportunity to present something different, something that's unique, and we had the Savage World setting. I had become a fan of it through Ed Wetterman and uh, Preston, 12 to Midnight, and we had gotten this idea. Says, the only way we're going to get variety is if we bring it there. And so we started asking other people for we would run these games, and uh, Chris and I, and then we started getting more people. The more people play it, the more people want to run it. The more people want to run it, the more people play it. And you started a cycle. And now we have how many GMs? Uh, oh, gosh. A lot. A lot. We have a lot of GMs. A lot, and we're running between, kind of depends on convention, between 70 and 100 Savage Worlds tables over the weekend, mm -hmm. where would you say, Neil, when you and I thought about looking at this, there were maybe half a dozen oh, Savage Worlds games, if we were lucky? If we were lucky. There was maybe half a dozen. If and we it were was lucky. because we were running them. And <laughs> then we started getting more and more, and it really blossomed. Um, again, I'm going to say Chris has done a great job. Uh, getting people into this, and we started finding like-minded individuals who were willing to put the time in to say, hey, I enjoy this, I want others to enjoy it, and it was all about service. It wasn't about, we'll do this for that, or we'll do this and you give us this. We came to the convention and said, we want to do this, and we'll do all the work for you, and we'll give this opportunity, we'll give this presentation and entertain people and you just give us the space, you give us the time, and we'll make it happen. And that's been a very key element to it as well, is uh, Chris Fox, Chris Landauer now putting in all the, all the work for it, and they take it hand in hand to the con coordinator and says, okay, we've got 100 games for you. That's a gift on a silver platter. And um, the fact that they're all fun, and we have a lot of people that turn out for it, is a testament to that fact. Yeah, and I think it was maybe because we did. We started, you know, just like anything else. It was a, a slow build, and I think it was maybe the second because we did a Genghis and a Tacticon, and I think mm -hmm. the next Genghis was uh, they were talking about guests. Yeah, and that's when I went to the DGA at the time, and I don't. I hadn't met Shane yet, and I uh, went to them and said, "Hey, so you said you're willing to bring out a guest." I have an idea. <laughs> Let's talk to Shane. You know, he's that guy who made Savage Worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point, that's kind of what, you know, that guy who made Savage Worlds. You know, I hadn't met Shane, and they were like, yeah, let's have Shane come out. And it's just snowballed from that point. It really has. I mean, we've had so many Savage Worlds guests come out. We've had Eloy. Eloy Lasanta from Third Eye Games has been out multiple times, you know. So Clint and Jody being here, so it's just it's just kind of snowballed. So it's uh, it's been awesome. I love it. Yeah. So, and and the more we do, the more there are, and hopefully we'll just keep rolling forward on it. Yeah. 
was building on that, having such a huge community here at these Genghis Tacticon, I mean, they're basically the same thing just twice a year. But ha been, having been able to build such a community has really helped us branch out into some of the other conventions around, including ones that aren't really even devoted to gaming. You know, we've been able to move into AnomalyCon, which is primi primarily steampunk, Malcon, which is more literary, but all of these other ones that don't necessarily have a gaming focus have been able to expand into it to expose more and more people and then really help build our community even more, which is something I've been enjoying. So that was Sarah Martinez. We had a little brag about Sarah. She's one of our newest GMs, but certainly not on the low on the totem pole of awesomeness. Sarah is actually, um, this is now the spring quarter of the real-time four-year living ETU campaign. So tell us a little bit about that and the idea behind it. Um, I was pretty much obsessed with East Texas University from the get-go, and it actually goes back to finding out about Illuminati University from GURPS, which I got my hands on that book, I read it, I was, thought it was the best thing ever. No one ever wanted to play GURPS. I couldn't find anyone to. So once Pinnacle came out with the East Texas setting, it was close enough to you know, have that idea of, of the university setting with the weirdness going on. Um, so I started running a home game for it, I've been really enjoying it. But the more I got into it, the more I learned about the setting, I wanted to do my own thing with it. Um, and I started branching out, reading a lot about the history of Texas and that part, and especially a lot of the um, Native American history and mythology, and that's what I wanted to incorporate into my story, because that's not something a lot of people do. A lot of people in with mythology will go the Greco-Roman route, the Norse route. There's not actually a lot of Native American stuff in a lot of gaming, at least that I've found so far. And so I wanted to really take that chance to explore a different venue. Um, and so I've been working on writing it. I've been running it here at the conventions. Um, you've, Savage Monty, have been helping me out a lot run it, which is great, so I don't have to run myself ragged. Um, and so far, everyone seems to be really enjoying it, and I'm really happy with it. You know, it's kind of something neat we've done here. I mean, the other big publishers like D&D and Pathfinder, they do living campaigns. And I don't know, in some, some sense, I think they're a little too structured and a little too marketing technique, marketing ploy. And we, we decided to do, um, based upon some demand for it, a, a living living systems, but a little different take on it. We're not, it's not a reward base, it's not a um, click and treat kind of munchkin-y reward system, but we started out when we approached Shane and said, hey, can we do a living Deadlands um, setting? So we call it the uh, Twilight Legion, and um, that took off like gangbusters. We've had multiple GMs running it, a lot of really positive feedback. So we expand that out to Weird Wars Rome. The uh, Shane played in a game with uh, Neil <laughs> ran, and oh there God, was a strange incident with a Hydra and a Kawaka, and I'll just leave with that. The uh, ETU is our third and very popular edition, and uh, we might possibly be bringing out a fourth with Pulp. So you know, yeah, and there's been some talk about about people wanting to do that. Yeah, and it's just it's low key. It's all about. Again, telling stories, not about metagaming, not about... And, and, and rewarding people who keep showing up and becoming part of the community. They have characters that you know live and die in these systems. That's the same. Um, that's what people like. People have people are asking that, and people are saying, well, hey, hey I, I've got this character, and I want to keep playing him. I'm like, well, we'll make that happen. We'll make that happen so you can keep bringing that same character. You know? And I kind of like it, too, because you know, running ETU, 
I don't have to worry about coming up with pre-gens. <laughs> Makes things much easier on me. They just bring their characters, and, and sometimes they even get to the adventure. <laughs> sometimes they get to the actual adventure. It sounds like you've been able to create a, a space here in the community where it's not just your home group. All of these people are your home group, so you're comfortable enough with them to bring your character from home. And I used the finger quotes there, um, you know, to be able to say, "Hey, I'm going to bring this character to that that game that's being run by my buddy at this GM, and then that GM, and it's all the same world." Yep. I think that's fantastic, yeah. guys, and hats off to you because I don't see anybody else who's doing anything like that, and uh, we are watching it with interest. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so. <laughs> and suspicion. And suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> well, involved. Something yes, <laughs> something's going on if, if Landauer's involved. There's, there's a long play here. Kaiser says they didn't have. So I, I, I have to ask this, and I, I, I want to see what you're gonna, what, what you're willing to tell me. Hmm. I'm what's not coming free up, tonight. What's coming up? What's coming up for Savage Worlds? What do we have to look forward to? That you that you can tell us about. Mm, you need something. Sorry. That's all right. Well, the the easy one I can start with, although Jody knows everything that's going on, um, is obviously we've got the Kickstarter for Weird War One that'll be coming up uh, very soon. Tuesday. 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 Very very soon. When you're going to be running, able to run this, but starts um, February sixteenth through March third. Excellent. So it's again one of our two week Kickstarters that worked out really well for us for Rippers. So we're going to hope to see some magic happen with that one too. We're really excited about World War One. We we think you know it's going to be fun. Now, obviously, I think a lot of people know there are some really big RPG kickstarters that kind of are going on around now. You know, uh, a guy we know as John the well, Wick, Wick, John Wick. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, John's a great guy. We hung out at ChupacabraCon and had a great time with him. I know he games with Shane. Um, John's a fellow Arizona, and, and in case anybody listening to this podcast hasn't heard, his Kickstarter's around a half a million dollars for 7C, and we couldn't be happier for him. Great guy. Wow. Yeah. We actually held off on Weird War One and delayed it a little bit because we had John and some other folks that were starting up theirs, and we People were like... a couple paychecks between... Yeah. 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 Now, is this is this uh, a second edition of, of 7C? It's a it's a new edition. A new edition, yeah, okay. I guess it's a second. Okay, because okay. I think it was that AEG it was. That, that that brought that out John, originally. John created it and uh, just purchased it. Okay. AEG. So go uh, look at look on Kickstarter for Seven C. Yeah. If you're in our yeah. that. that's a really slick campaign. It's doing great. Yeah. But uh, but you know we've got Weird War One coming. And like I said, that'll be uh, Tuesday the sixteenth. Mm -hmm. Starting out on that, and you know. That's got a bunch of ideas for the Kickstarter that I am getting the look of. I'm not going to talk about <laughs> if it comes up. <laughs> it's done at this point, buddy. <laughs> I hope everything's ready. That's right. Uh, I, hope it's ready. I hope it's ready to roll come, come yeah. Tuesday. No, i got some work to do on Monday, but I have to be at my PC to get everything to work right. you know. But, um, no, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what the Savage community uh, thinks of it. Um, you know, we're building on the Weird Wars line, which, uh, of course, has Weird Wars Rome, uh, Tour of Darkness, Weird War Two. Are we running out of time? Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, I just wanted to say that we know that we're running up against some other stuff, and I want to make sure that everybody knows that we want to see a good showing for Weird War One. 
but we also understand that this is probably not going to be the biggest Kickstarter for us this year. We've got Rips coming up. We've got Flash Gordon coming up. We've got other cool stuff online. But we're going to try some new stuff with this Kickstarter. And we're going to do this as kind of a testing the market for some of these other bigger ones we're going to be doing this year. Yeah, that's right, question. I know you guys You guys basically don't really – there's no dates, and, and everybody will know it, it when it's time. It's time. But, you know, Rips and Flash Gordon, they're – in the pipeline, yep. I know you've got a lot of excitement I, at Gen Con. Uh, when we were at the seminar at Gen Con, just the amount of applause when the Flash Gordon, you know, music started on on the the, the screen, it was just people went nuts, didn't they, Shane? They, did. they just they they went did. nuts for and it. If you so. haven't seen it on YouTube, you totally need to see it because I mean, just that reaction still gets me excited every time I see it. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Here's a follow-up question because I know I have to plant. Neil's got a pretty interesting question. It fits in with this. Maybe I know Shane's got an answer. We'll see if he spills it. Maybe <laughs> you want to ask your question about the settings. And the My question is, and I was thinking about this at work when I should have been working. And uh, <laughs> but you between Pinnacle and the licensees, you have a vast range of settings that are out there. However. What areas do you see that are not covered by a current licensee or pinnacle, um, a portion of fantasy, sci-fi, um, or modern, something like that? So what do you see that doesn't have something in that niche? I think all the big niches are covered. There's there's some, some interesting little ones um, like Romance, for example, like um, Green Ronin's Blue Rose. You know, that's kind of interesting. I don't know much about it, but I'm curious about it and uh, would be interested to see something there. Um, I still don't think we have our D&D setting for Savage Worlds. You know, our, our real core fantasy game that can spawn a thousand adventures like Pathfinder or something like that. Uh, we... We uh, have plans for something like that down the road, so we'll see if we come out with it first or somebody else does or how well it does, but I think that's still a critical part of our, uh, you know, our next phase. Well, all the settings that you've got always have a twist, an FX or something like that, and that's kind of your, your uh, uh, what you do. You take a good setting and make it better by throwing something unique in there. Deadlands, a... Uh, um, Wild West, but now it's got magic and weird aspects to it. Um, what about settings that don't have an FX to it, though? So that's why we haven't done a pulp setting yet. A true, like, 30s, 40s pulp. Because nobody has come up with something that's a, a big twist on it yet that has told me this will be more successful than all the other pulp games that are already out there. Uh, you know, I think Drilling Tales and... Um, uh, what's Eric's setting? Um, Steamscapes? Daring Tales? Daring Tales. Ravager? Ravager. I was going to say, uh, which Eric? <laughs> yeah, those, are, those are great, but they are pretty much straight pulp, which, again, I love, right? But for a pinnacle version of pulp, I would want to do something like we did Superheroes with Clint's idea, Necessary Evil Returned on its head. Um, okay. So that's that's what I'm looking for for pulp. I haven't seen it yet. you got to find that hook. That hook that makes you go, oh, yes, you know? 
I'll so add you, that to my list for Monday, you're sir. You're not going <laughs> to spill the one we talked about last night. <coughs> crusades! <coughs> crusades! Oh, yeah, we're going to do the Crusades for Weird Wars eventually. Nice. Uh, I ran it actually about five or six years ago at Gen Con. And all the big core ideas for it are already in a file and have been uh, sitting on teller's desk for years. We just, you know, Weird Wars is, is kind of my, uh, it's my pet line, right? It's the one I love. I'm a military historian. That's what my master's is in. I just love this stuff. Uh, it's not as big as fantasy or zombies or any of that stuff, although we put zombies in it, of course. That's what I do. But uh, we're going to do all the big wars, uh, crusades. I really would love to do my my um, my military history um, specialty. Really, is the British colonial wars. So I would love to do that as a setting. But you know, there's some touchy stuff in there, so you got to watch that stuff. But uh, it, it sure is exciting to play. Well, excellent. So. Um, it's about time for us to wrap up, so I wanted to see any other questions, anything else that, that uh, our esteemed guests would like uh, people to know about before we, we wrap this up and move on. I want to turn the tables a bit, and I want to ask you guys a question. How you have it. you enjoyed Genghis Khan so far? Loved it. So much fun. I mean, the, I'm very proud that we, we asked our savages... Um, there's been some local con drama, and we were rocking at gangbusters. We were worried that other you know, factors outside of our control was, would put a dent in the wonderful thing we're doing here. And so we asked them, listen, this is, this is the 10th anniversary of Savage Saturday Night. This is, uh, we want to put our stamp on running the most Savage Worlds anywhere ever before, the biggest Savage Worlds convention in history, and we want to do it in a convincing manner. And uh, they stepped up and put in over 100 games. And uh, I don't know, I'm just incredibly proud about that. I mean, it's, there's the, the community welcomed me, and I was a big Savage Worlds player before I stepped up to be a GM. I, I would fill nine slots of Savage Worlds. Um, kind of like Sarah Martinez, I, I, wanted to, I came through GURPS, and no one wanted to run GURPS. And, hey, look at the program, Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds. These games sound interesting. They're not just the D&D I can get anywhere. And I can't get this, this, these kind of settings. And, you know, there were so many quality GMs, and the fact we've been able to maintain that and grow it... Um, you know, and now stepping up to help run the club and, and, and GM more, I, it's I don't know, it's, it's it's just it's a very great thing. So I'm, I love the community here. Love the fact that you get to meet the people who create the game. That you guys come out uh, even on your own dime. I mean that's just amazing. Uh, we'll still try to get you guys guest spots as much as we can. Uh, but you know, it's just a real sign of, of faith that you guys have in us as well. And that's I don't know anyone else who has that. I don't know, you know, who else can kind of claim that that little feather. So. And I, I just wanted to, because you said quality GMs, and that just struck a bell with me because I was like, you know what, I really do need to say something about the fact that I have seen a lot of quality GMs, the people who put into it the time and the effort to do a lot of planning to have a good showing there, to make sure everybody has their chance to shine at the table. I mean, these are all, these are essential skills to give a good show for the players, and that's what you guys are really focused on, and kudos to you. That's a great little segment for our next episode. The uh, Shane came out last time and uh, helped Chris and I develop some tips for GMs and for players. So we'll be covering that. Yeah, we'll talk episode. about that on the on the next episode. So I, I'm having a really good Genghis Khan. I can tell you, I am worn out. I'm tired, <laughs> and it's only Saturday night, but I'm always tired. I run around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to make sure I've got got things diced for people and making sure that that people are finding their tables and that's something that that Chris and I really work we really it's important and we really focus on that is if we see someone walking around and they don't have a game we're going to do whatever we can to get them in a game 
And we've been known to not, not even a Savage Worlds game. If there's no Savage World, if the Savage Worlds games are full, which I, which is what we want, we'll help somebody if if they're if we're they're walking around, we're going to help them get into a game. So it's been it's been great. I've run uh, my ET, I ran ETU yesterday. It went really well. Uh, I'm running a uh, Savage Star Wars game tonight uh, for Savage Saturday Night, and then I'm running ETU again on Sunday afternoon. Don't have the exact same players as as the last Sunday afternoon game, so we'll see how this one is different from that one but it's it's been it's been a really good convention i've i've really enjoyed it well we've had a absolute blast so far i mean it is it's it's saturday afternoon at the con there have been since we showed up thursday night there was a session thursday night i know uh which we flew in part way through but then um we came in on um you know friday morning and it was three games all the way, and then another one, and it has been a blast so far. And the only break has been recording this, so you owe me a game. Yes. <laughs> so yes. let's get on and uh, get ready for Saturday night. Yeah, we've got uh, the next panel uh, waiting to get in the room. So thank you, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for being part of the show. Uh, you guys can get in touch with us. Uh, we have a, a email address. It's uproar. Wait, Chris, I just lost it. What is it? Uproar at SavageCast.com. Yes, that's exactly what it is. We're on Google+, we're on Facebook, uh, we're on Twitter. You can find the Savage Cast, and uh, we've just got more and better shows to come. Uh, we're really excited to do this. So, again, everyone, thanks for listening, and keep it savage. Thank you for listening to the Savage Cast. You can find our show on our website, www.savagecast.com, or on iTunes. Just search SavageCast RPG Podcast. While you're there, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email the show at uproar at savagecast.com, savagemommy at savagecast.com, or savagebull at savagecast.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Facebook backslash savagecastrpg. You can find us on G+. And on Twitter at SavageCast. Thank you again for listening to the SavageCast, and we hope to hear from you soon.